Welcome to the Getting Heaven Into People podcast. I'm Dave Ripper, a pastor here in New England, and I want to thank you for listening. After two years of the pandemic, almost all of us are hurting in some way, and so many of our churches are reeling. To address the deeply felt need Christians and churches have, I've designed this podcast to invite us to experience deeper healing and freedom over a 40-day journey as we pursue spiritual transformation together. I'm praying today's episode helps you experience greater joy, contentment, and confidence in your life and walk with God. So as you listen, may God's grace and peace be with you. Well, welcome to Getting Heaven in the People. I'm Dave Ripper from Crossway Christian Church here in Southern New Hampshire, and we are on day 33 of a 40-day journey where we are learning and praying about how to cultivate greater spiritual freedom so that God's kingdom may come as heaven gets into us and into our families and churches and ultimately hope and pray into our communities for the good of the world around us. And within our journey, we've been spending the last several days exploring reliable patterns of spiritual transformation. It doesn't just happen by accident, but often, most often, by intention. And so today will be the final pattern of transformation that we'll look at with the intention of spending our remaining days together in this 40-day journey to help you craft an intentional rhythm or plan or way of experiencing continued Christ-likeness in your life. And the pattern I'm going to share with you today is this, Eschesis Apatheia Agape. Now, these ancient words, agape, will be most familiar to us, Greek word for love, but I'll give you a little background and context for where I discovered this pattern. In my Fuller Theological Seminary doctoral program, three of the kind of key pillars of our learning is about the spirituality of Dallas Willard, which is drawn heavily from the spirituality of St. Ignatius of Loyola, which as I have been learning, and I hadn't seen this thread woven through this kind of facet of church history before, but this really draws heavily from ancient Christian spirituality, The what the early church in its first several centuries uh, lived and taught, especially drawing from the wisdom from the desert dwellers, the desert fathers and mothers. And from some of those early readings that I did there, I saw this powerful dynamic at work, ascesis, which is the idea for training, apatheia, which is where we get our idea of apathy or indifference, but it's not used in that kind of negative sense. It's far more of an abiding calm. And that apatheia or abiding calm, a calm leads to the Christ-like agape love that the Christian life has as its goal. So we'll talk about those three dynamics for a moment, but I'd love to anchor this kind of conversation around 1 Timothy 4.7, which Paul tells his young apprentice, Timothy, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. In other words, don't get swept up in all of the common patterns of thinking that just swirl around us within our world, worldviews or ideas or what's the equivalent of what's trending in his day and age have nothing to do with these ideas and myths that come and go. Rather, train yourself to be godly. 
And that Greek word for train is where we discover this word askesis or askesis as it's often pronounced as well. An intentional, deliberate training for the purpose of being godly. Here we see some of Paul's theology of Christian spirituality. Becoming more Christ-like is not something that merely God does, but it's something that we have an invaluable, pivotal role to play in this whole process. We are called to train ourselves to be godly. I remember a few years ago when Steph Curry from the Golden State Warriors was doing a lot of ads for Under Armour. I loved seeing him train in all these really unique ways. And at the end of the ads, it would say, you are your training. And while that applies to basketball or other sports, I think that same type of athletic metaphor applies for our spiritual lives. It's captured in this idea of ascesis, that our training matters. And many respects, the, the relationship we have with God, the amount of heaven that has gotten into us has uh, direct correlation with our training. We are to train ourselves to be godly. And so ascesis, this first kind of aspect, sees that once we've gotten this vision of what God has called us to, and we have an intention to live it out, we are called to train ourselves. These are the means to use that Dallas Willard language. And the way that we apply these means is for the purpose of agape, that we might be more Christ-like and more loving. But as I've pastored and been a part of churches for a couple decades now, I've started to see just a major gap in a lot of people's lives, including my own, far too often. We might be devout in our practices, uh, going to church on Sundays or uh, having a daily quiet time or practicing Sabbath. And a lot of times we can do these things in a way that does not make us more Christ-like. I've been saddened over the years to see some of the saints in the faith who served God faithfully for decades still incredibly mean-spirited or easily angered people. And they've been as devout as anyone in their giving and some of their spiritual practices, but why have they not become more Christ-like? And there's probably a lot of reasons for that, but the reason I think I discovered in how I have been very devout over the years. I've followed Jesus uh, really the last 23 years since giving my life to Christ as a freshman in high school. And why have I not become more loving? It's this middle piece that I think the ancient Christians understood that we have missed, ascesis to apatheia. We are to do our spiritual practices in a way that creates within us an abiding calm. See, a lot of times we rush through our spiritual practices to check the box that I've read a allotted amount of uh, scripture a day, maybe three chapters a day to make it through the Bible in a year. But we can often get through the Bible and not allow it to get through us. And I think what the early Christians would encourage us with here is that we would not rush through our practices to check the box, to get them done, but to do them in such a way that an abiding calm would come over us, that we would send Christ being closer to us, that we would be casting our cares upon him, that we would sense his peace more profoundly. And out of that context of calm, love would grow. 
And so I believe as we think about our patterns of how we want to become more Christ-like, these patterns of transformation, we need to see the connections between how we do our spiritual practices and love and what connects love with our spiritual practices is cultivating a sense of spiritual abiding calm. So as you pray, we don't need to use many, many words. We need to enter ourselves into the peace and the pace and the presence of God in an unhurried manner so that we might allow his calm to come over us, that God cares for us, that the burden is light. Maybe right now, take a moment to just be still, to know that he is God. And now from a place of calm, ask that God's love would grow up in you. Now take a moment just to reflect on how you do your spiritual practices. Maybe that's listening to a podcast, reading scripture, serving others. How might we do them in a way with God's unforced rhythms of grace that would enable a calm to settle over us, even if it's just temporary? But out of that calm, perhaps love might grow more and more in and through you, in and through me. So I am indebted to some of these ancient desert fathers and mothers who spent much time in solitude and silence, unrushed, unhurried, practicing these great spiritual practices of engagement and abstinence in such a way that a calm would come over them and out of that calm would emerge love. So maybe today, maybe in these coming weeks, maybe as we talk about what you will do tomorrow, looking at crafting a curriculum for Christ-likeness, how might you orient your life in such a way that as you pursue God, you would find greater peace that you would have more of an abiding sense of calm knowing that he is your shepherd and that in you, in him, you lack nothing. And in cultivating that abiding calm, that apatheia, perhaps agape, would grow up and well up and overflow from you. So may God's abiding calm be with you. And we look forward to seeing how we can craft a rhythm, a rule of life together so that reliable patterns of transformation would be the norm and not the exception in our lives. I look forward to seeing you next time. Grace and peace.